When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, this is the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Uriah, along with Chris. Unfortunately, Lucas is not with us tonight. It is the eve of Thanksgiving. Yes, the Sixers lost to the Charlotte Hornets, but they did beat Brooklyn. We'll get into that later. What's up, Chris? Not much. How are you? Man, I I watched the second half of the Charlotte game because the first half I was helping out getting ready for Thanksgiving but I'm, I'm excited to get some turkey see some family what about you yeah me too um, I, I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving I'll just say that I, I like food so I'm looking what's, forward to it too what's your go-to meal or dish for Thanksgiving I'm just curious I don't know turkey come on man you gotta I'm go more than turkey guy. turkey and gravy turkey and gravy have you ever had thanksgiving where you had turkey and no gravy i don't think so that that should be a violation like you have to have gravy on your turkey but um before we get into the 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 recap of the game tonight chris and i have this ongoing thing with fantasy basketball he likes to throw out trades and most of them in my opinion are ridiculous but the most recent trade could be fair in terms of points fantasy points but um who tell everyone who who you want in return for your players Chris. all right i'm giving him paolo Bancaro, the number one pick who's averaging 23 points per game at the very beginning of his rookie season with plenty of room to improve and nick claxton has been quite good for brooklyn this year for josh giddy and evan mobley neither of whom are averaging near as many points as paolo i think it's a very fair trade you have offered me this trade in the past, and I tried to negotiate around it because I frankly thought it was a bit lopsided. But I'm willing to go back to it just because I love Josh Giddy and Evan Mobley so much. It would fill my heart with joy to have them on my team. That's the only reason I'm circling back around to this. And I'm okay. throwing in Nick Claxton, which was not part of your original offer. Well... If Nick Claxton was actually any good, I might consider it. I don't. He I don't. He's very have, good. I don't know. He doesn't do anything for me. I, my reservation with that trade is the minutes that those guys play. The guys that I would be giving up to you play more minutes per game than your guys. So that's that's why Paolo, I'm holding back. Paolo straight up averages like nine, ten more fantasy points per game than both of them. Like, I I'm up in the like, air. I haven't said no yet, but. I'm just putting it out there. I, like, I've I've seen Chris maneuver and take advantage of people who. This was your original <laughs> trade offer. I am conceding to you after trying to fleece you. I've done my best. <laughs> I've made an effort, but I've failed. I'm circling back to your original trade offer. All right. Well, at least you admit that you you do try to get over on people, but people, but. Well, that's you know. what every good general manager does. My offers are like starting point for negotiations. I'm willing, but but no one ever like sends a counter offer. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> it's fine. I haven't said no yet, but but we'll we'll share the results on a later episode. So let's get into this game tonight. The 76ers lost in Charlotte, one hundred seven to one hundred one. 
I'll give you some team stats because uh, you, you'll see the like what happened in the second half. They just fell apart with turnovers and things of that nature. But uh, shooting percentage, Charlotte shot 47%. The Sixers shot 44%. Neither team shot really well from beyond the three-point line. Charlotte, an abysmal 26%. The Sixers even worse at 23%. As far as th- uh, free throw percentage, the Sixers, that was their real saving grace is when they got to the line, they were able to capitalize on those free buckets. Uh, if you look at points in the paint, Charlotte had 72 points in the paint. It kind of reminds me of that that Washington game where we were just overpowered because of height. Well, this game just happened to be, uh, it's not like they had really big guys in the middle other than Mason Plumley, but Montres Harrell is just... I don't know. He plays no defense. Uh, Fast break points. Charlotte scored more 12 to nine for the Sixers. The largest lead for Philly was 13. The largest lead for the Hornets was nine. Chris, let's let's go with uh, the starters tonight. What did you think of the starting lineup? Yeah, I I mean, you you sort of hinted at this. Uh, Philly was pretty much in control for the first half. They started this game really strong and then just sort of gradually fell apart down the stretch. I, I think they kind of lost their legs. Obviously, this is the second game of a back-to-back on the road. They had to fly to Charlotte overnight. Like, those are generally unfavorable circumstances, especially when you're down as many guys as they are. Um, so it, it's pretty understandable to have tired legs in the second half. Um, I mean, overall, Shake Milton had another really productive game. He's done really well these past few games, stepping into the starting lineup for Tyrese. Milton, not his best shooting night, but still 20 points, four steals. You'll you'll take it. Um, another pretty not not the best Tobias game, but you know he he did some good things offensively. The three point shot just wasn't falling for him, unfortunately. But that's fine. You you know the fact that he took nine is pretty positive in my opinion, even if he didn't hit many of them. So you'll take the the bad with the good there, in a sense. And like you said, Montrez did perfectly fine on offense, 16 points, 7 shots, 8 of 8 at the charity stripe. So, I mean, he did quite well on offense, but the defense remains a pretty big issue. I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it until he's no longer with us because he'll probably leave for more money uh, in the off season, and that's Shake Milton. Uh, I, I've always been high on Shake. I think he belongs in the NBA. Some people would disagree, but we've seen him the past couple of games in the absence of Embiid with more minutes, in the absence of obviously Harden and, and Maxi. Uh, Shake Milton had 22 points tonight. Uh, he clearly can score from anywhere on the floor. He has a three point shot. He can score mid range. He can drive and finish left or right. And he has this really unique way of uh, pulling up mid-range. And, and even if someone's in his face, he just has that that shot. He could just get just over the fingertips of the defender. Uh, he had some really bad turnovers in the second half, probably because he was winded. He played 39 minutes tonight. And I forget how many minutes he played last night, but he definitely was a, a factor last night against Brooklyn. Melton is legit. We are so fortunate that <laughs> Memphis couldn't pay him because he's everything that we wanted and more. Uh, he plays great defense. He doesn't try to do too much. And I think that he's a stabilizing force on this team where you need a bucket or you need someone to come up with a play, an impactful play on defense or offense. And, and Melton is that guy. So the Melton-Milton backcourt is, I don't know, it's kind of interesting in how it's working out. Uh, Tucker, I was so happy to see him get a three because he's been scoreless up to that point the past four games. Harris, not his best game, uh, but like you like you said, these guys ran out of gas pretty much. So uh, Montrezl Harrell, we know, defense, it's not his thing. Offense, he was eight for eight from free throw line, which good for him. But let's go to the bench. What, what did you take away from the role players tonight? Yeah, um, n- not – like the shiniest performance from the bench unit. Um, again, considering that most of the bench guys are starting, it's it's understandable. Um, 
Paul Reed was really good again. Two pretty good games in a row for him. Uh, three blocks, two steals in 22 minutes, eight boards, a lot of energy. Uh, ESPN continues to list him as a small forward, which I don't really understand, but that's fine. Um, beyond that, uh, George hit three threes, nine points. A bit of a down game compared to what we've been getting from him recently, but on most nights, that's that's pretty great, and you'll take that from him. But, you know, not much from House, not a ton from Furkan, and obviously everyone else is pretty much hurt at this point. But, yeah. um, you know, again, second out of a back-to-back on the road, you traveled. It's not that hard to see why they, they ran out of gas and why guys maybe didn't have their best stuff. George's Niang, very good shooter. Obviously, from three-point land, he has no hesitation when it comes to pulling the trigger, which the Sixers need. I do think he tries to do a little too much driving to the to, into the lane, maybe gets himself in trouble sometimes. Uh, not the most athletic guy, so it's not like he has a bag where he can do a reverse layup or some type of mid-range funky shot where he has to contort his body in the air, but he's serviceable, uh, not playable in the playoffs as we saw last year, unless something miraculously happens in his game in the next few months. House Jr. continues to disappoint. I thought he would give more this this year. Uh, the whole small sample size thing is going out the window because he's played a good share of games up to this point. Paul Reed, listen, we'll we'll get to his game for Brooklyn in a minute, but tonight, I think energy, I think uh, getting up and down the court, offensive rebounds, I, I love what I'm seeing from Paul Reed. Scary moment. I don't know how you felt about this. When he fell on his back, I was like, wow, because he wasn't moving. He wasn't getting up. Yeah. But uh, luckily, I think he was – I think he was okay. Did He never came back in, right? No, he was in right year. after the timeout, yeah. Well, I do distinctly remember, Chris, in the final four or five minutes, Doc had a small lineup in there with Harrell, and then he ended up having, I guess, Tobias at the five or Tucker at the five. And I'm thinking, why isn't Reed in there? In the moment I thought that Scary Terry started – driving the lane and Ubre gets a put back. So I think we, we could have won this game in my opinion, if Reed would have been in the, the last three or four minutes. Do, do you agree with that? Or you think they were just done? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, they certainly had a shot really up until that last minute or so. So um, yeah, I mean, like Paul Reed's really good. I, I think like circumstances have made it to where, it can be a little bit hard to realize for some people how good he is because Doc doesn't play him like he's good. Doc, you know, Doc doesn't give him a very long leash when he has pretty much earned a very long leash. Uh, but but Paul's legit. He, he's a really high-level impact defender, and he brings a lot of energy, and he has some some skill on offense too. So I, I do agree that he's the kind of guy you close games with probably when Joel is out, or you at least consider doing that for sure. So the last thing we'll talk about with this game has to do with Charlotte. Let's just talk about the direction of this team. Uh, we know that they're missing some key players. So what do you think the direction of this team is and uh, the overall status of the Hornets? Yeah, it's not great. I, I mean, like of all the teams in the NBA, I feel like Charlotte has the least like juice right now they just don't feel like they have much going for them they rehired a coach that they fired a few years ago the miles bridges thing is unfortunate on several different levels but he he's out of the league right now and doesn't seem like he'll be back in it anytime soon so i mean that's unfortunate from a team building perspective because he was your number two guy in a potential cornerstone um, but yeah, I mean, they're just kind of, they're really bad this season. They're like five and 14. They have not won many games. Um, part of that is that LaMelo has been out and LaMelo is a really fantastic building block and the kind of guy you can build a winner around and he's only 21. So they have time to figure it out. So it's hard to be too pessimistic while they still have LaMelo locked up for the foreseeable future. But They've been trying to build momentum for a couple years now, and they just keep 
falling flat. They've now taken a pretty significant step back after two straight seasons in the play-in tournament. It's kind of like what's going on, you know, uh, like what what's the next step for that team? I, I don't know what it is. They are not a free agent destination. They don't have the kind of trade ammo that a lot of rebuilding teams have. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach this. Because as young as LaMelo is and as favorable as his contract situation is, it's becoming less and less uncommon for guys that age to like say, hey, you know, I'm the star here and leverage that stardom to maybe force a trade. Like, that's not out of the, the question at this point in time. So, you know, they got to do something. We'll, we'll see what it is. But they are, they're just not in a very good spot right now. I always find it ironic that the world's greatest basketball player to ever walk the earth is the worst owner, <laughs> Michael Jordan. It's, I don't know, it's just strange that he can't quite gather the right personnel slash management coaching to take that team out of the doldrums, out of mediocrity and into a realm of competitiveness that really is right there. I think last year they were right there. I'll tell you what, if I lived in Charlotte last season, I would have tried to buy as many tickets as I could to games because that LaMelo ball to Miles Bridges tandem is or was one of the hottest tickets in town, all the alley-oops that those guys would, would go up with. As far as the talent, I have always liked uh, Scary Terry. I think he just has dog in him. I would love for him to be on the Sixers. Uh, PJ, was it PJ Washington? Uh, he made some interesting shots tonight. I didn't know he had it in him, long-range shots. Kelly Oubre is such a streaky athletic player. He doesn't really move the needle for, like you were saying, trade capital. But yeah, they're in a they're in a bad spot right now. Uh, real quick, a side note: during halftime, I was listening to the car, uh, game in the radio, ninety-seven five, the fanatic. I was coming home from uh, my brother-in-law's house, getting ready for Thanksgiving. So I'm in the car listening to the game. Halftime comes up. Tom McGinnis, the voice of the Sixers radio. He was interviewing a former Sixer who now is an announcer for Charlotte. And that player is George Lynch. You you familiar with George Lynch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, basically interviewed him about the 2001 season playing with Allen Iverson. Something I learned in that interview I did not know is that when Shake Milton was at SMU, where Larry Brown was the coach, George Lynch was a coach on that team. So I thought that was just a, a little uh, interesting tidbit. Very cool. Yeah. All right, and on that note, we're going to press on forward to the next game that um, everyone was tuned into, and that's the Brooklyn game. Yeah. Um, 115-106, final score, Philly won. Obviously, no Joel Embiid, no James Harden, no Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris. Coming back from injury, clearly hobbled at various points in the game, you know, by all accounts, Philly should have lost this game, especially with how motivated one would expect Brooklyn to be. Philly won. It was a very impressive team win. A lot of great basketball all around from pretty much pretty much up and down the roster, Uriah. Let's start, though, with Ben Simmons. That was kind of the main story here, right? <laughs> Absolutely. How do you – so – I think a lot of excitement building up to this game was obviously the idea of Ben going against Joel. Even with James being out, Tyrese, that was a bummer. But we were going to get Ben versus Joel. And then the Joel injury news hits out for at least a couple games a week. What came to mind when you realized, oh, we're not going to get that yet? Did that kind of lower the stakes for you? Was it, was it kind of a downer or were you still really pumped up for the game? Look, the first thing that came to mind when Joel was declared out for that game, I just thought, man, it, it can't get any more anticlimactic than that. You have a building full of rabid fans who bought tickets, overpaid for tickets, just to boo this man. And uh, I guess someone said frenemy, but we all know that they weren't even friends. But Joel, who was the team's leader, when they were both playing together uh, obviously had words about Simmons in that whole holdout situation. 
that's the drama that we all wanted. And when Joel uh, got hurt, unfortunately, it just made me think, man, this is, I'm still going to watch it, but it would have been so much more fun if Joel was in the game and maybe he posted Simmons and dunked on him, or maybe Simmons goes to the lane and even fading away with his weird hook shot, maybe Embiid swats it into the first row and, and you know, that would have been so much fun, but I was really deflated because I was looking forward to that drama. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, I have maybe been less out for blood than most Sixer fans when it comes to Ben Simmons, but even I would have liked to see that, you know, like just in general, I want to see Joel Embiid on the court. Like injuries suck and the Sixers cannot afford as many injuries as they have, but Obviously, for that game, it would have been much more exciting for the team to be healthy. It would have been really great to have James out there against his old team that we saw a little bit of that last season. It didn't go very well. It would have been nice for him to get a, a chance at redemption. Uh, but, I, I mean, the fact that Philly was able to pull out the win, I, I think, certainly made up for it. Like, it, it was still a very exciting game. Um, we'll, we'll talk about how it, it, everyone played individually, Uriah, but... Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it sucked not having Joel out there. And I, I do, I was with you. I thought it would be pretty anticlimactic. I thought Brooklyn would win. The Nets have been slowly, sort of, kind of, maybe building a little bit of momentum lately. Ben had certainly been building momentum going into this game. And th- that's a nice segue into our next point here. H- how do you think Ben played? 11 points, 7 boards, 11 dimes, some steals. What were your thoughts on his performance? I'll be totally honest with you. I was at a point maybe five games ago where I thought this kid is never going to play up to his potential or even get back to the player that he was. But somewhere around, I don't know if it was a Memphis game or a, a Sacramento game, he started shaking off some of that rust and maybe build a little bit more confidence. And he played and looked like old Ben Simmons the other night. So look, he still can't shoot a lick. He's still timid in certain parts of the paint. Uh, He looks to pass immediately, whether it's to Seth Curry or Kevin Durant or whoever's in the court with him. That's always been his mentality is how do I get my teammates involved? It just seems as though as of recently, and then obviously last night, He's looking to score more in the paint, put back dunks, layups, drives when he's going downhill. That's the old Simmons that we both know. Um, And just to be totally honest, I'm surprised. I don't wish him bad, but I also don't wish him well, obviously. But I'm, I'm surprised that he played the way he did. You know, they weren't numbers that jump off the page in the box score. But considering where he was five to six, seven games ago, I think he played pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, he's been he's been picking up steam lately, and he talked about it pretty candidly in an interview with ESPN not long before this game. It's like, I mean, honestly, you know, what, say what you will about the guy and whatever your thoughts may be on the last year. He, he was out for a year. Like, he just hasn't played basketball in a long time, and it takes guys – more than a couple games sometimes to work the way back into shape. We've seen it with Jamal Murray in Denver. Like he's not playing like the old Jamal Murray right now. That doesn't mean we have to be out on the Jamal Murray experience or that he's never going to return to form. But like guys who miss a year, a year plus of basketball generally need time to get back into old rhythms, old habits, defensive tendencies, offensive tendencies, whatever. Like, Ben is starting to look more like the old Ben, like he said. And that's a very flawed player, but it's also a very good player. He's playing better defense. He's getting back to his old self on that side of the ball. He's a brilliant passer and playmaker and transition threat, which we, we all know. And like he handled the pressure pretty well. He handled the crowd pretty well, which was obviously the biggest question of all coming into that specific game was like, was he going to get rattled by the crowd? And he didn't really get rattled by the crowd. He he missed a couple free throws in the second half, which was bricking for, for chicken, bricking for chicken. Thank you, Ben Simmons. That free was nice. chicken biscuit or nuggets, whatever they give out at the game. 
but like you said, he, he played pretty well. And um like I, I, I certainly don't wish the guy ill. Like like it would be nice to see him back to back to his old ways. I'd personally be pretty happy with that just for him on a personal level i i, I don't hold as much ill will towards him as you do uh so. whoa 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 i don't hold ill will all right mm. i just want him to retire and go play rugby that's all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually no that's he wouldn't play rugby because that's that's too much of a contact sport i don't think he has the if he can't take a hit in basketball he's not playing rugby hey look i just had a flashback do you remember of course you remember uh, it was just you and I. Uh, it was June two years ago, and we got eliminated by Atlanta. Who was the main topic of that discussion? Do you recall? Who was the main topic of that conversation? We got kicked out of the playoffs by the Hawks. Who did we yeah. talk about? We talked about Ben. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just I just had a flashback because, like. Lucas wasn't there. He's not here now. It kind of reminds me of that Paul Rudd meme where he's like, that he's got a bottle of water. He's like, who would have thought? Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. And here we are talking Ben Simmons once again, but this time he's wearing a different jersey. I yeah, predicted. Remember? Weird. Remember I predicted? I was like, he's never playing for the Sixers again. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I mean, he was he played he practiced for like ten minutes. He did with a with cell phone in his pocket <laughs> or yeah. a t shirt in his pocket, whatever was in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will say it's still very weird to see him in a Brooklyn uniform. It still doesn't look quite right. It's very strange. To I was thinking the same thing. It looks really thing. weird on him, but yeah. There was one Weird. play. There was one play when Paul Reed was guarding him. He had the you know dark blue jersey, and then Simmons had the the black and white on, and it just hit me right there. It's, this this guy is not with us anymore. He, I'm so used to seeing Simmons in a Sixers jersey, and it was like you were saying, it's just odd to see him yeah, not wearing I mean, a Sixers jersey. He was here for a good long minute, as far as like recent Sixers ten years ago, we haven't had a lot of guys who are around for a while. It's like it was Joel and Ben and Furcon, pretty much. Those are yeah. the guys that have been sticking it out for a while. And you know, they, it obviously ended on a an extremely sour note, but there were a lot of good memories there too. And you know, speaking of segues, that that does kind of lead into the next point is like pre and post game comments from Ben. He had a lot of nice things to say about the Sixers fan base for the most part. Mm. He talked about his fond memories in Philly <laughs> and how how he he still had love for the city and the team. But obviously, there's the flip side of that. Also, men, you know, spoke fairly candidly about the fact that him and Joel just, you know, they're not, they're not that close. And that's why he hasn't called Joel, which seems perfectly fine and human to me. Um, but I'm, I'm sure other people have differing opinions on that. Um, and then, you know, after the game, probably the most quoted tweet on Twitter this past week was Ben saying he thought the fans would be louder after a loss, mm, which like yeah. maybe read the room a little bit better. Ben hasn't always read the room particularly well, but yeah. What what were your thoughts on some of Ben's comments to the media? Uriah, how do you think he handled uh, his return? We, did you see the uh, selfie with Howard Eskin? Yes, I did. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yes, I, I did. I, That's that was ironic. Nice. That was nice. Howard's a phony, by the way, because <laughs> he, he talks so much trash about not just Simmons, but the Sixers in general. But it's funny you said reading the room. Ben Simmons, I don't think, has ever read a room in his life. He is so unaware of, I guess, his persona and how he comes across to the public. Or maybe he does. He just doesn't care. He's that arrogant, in my opinion. I think he's a very arrogant athlete. Yeah, he said the the nicey-nice things about Philly fans. I, I was just proud that he actually showed personality in the press conference the other night when the one reporter was like, do you think it's so much time has passed that it might not be as bad? And he's like, he did one of these. It's like, wow, he actually has a sense of humor. Good for Ben. <clears throat> so I look that guy. 
I'm glad he's not with us anymore. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to talk about him as much, (laughs) but I I think he, he definitely knows what buttons to push with the media. And I know that he, when he first got here, he was not always media friendly. It was like, he wouldn't even give interviews and his relationship with, with Joel was probably always complex just because of the positions they played both being top draft picks, alpha dog, whose team is it, all that. So it's it's over with. The The game is done. The only unfortunate thing is there's still going to be buildup because he hasn't played against Joel yet. So it'll be interesting to, uh, to see how Joel responds to questions related to Ben coming back to Philly, which we haven't gotten anything yet. But what do you think of his pregame or postgame comments? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I like the Joel comments seemed perfectly reasonable and, and human to me, and the crowd stuff. Like, I, I mean, it's kind of funny to try to make fun of the fans after losing a game. Like, you know, it's like bad timing, but no big problems. Again, I'm pretty like mellow as far as Ben Simmons' opinions go. I'm I just kind of try to stay down the middle. Try not to veer too far of to one side or the other. I, I, I try to maintain a neutral perspective on all things Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> but hey, I mean, he's doing good stuff for my fantasy team this week, which I, I appreciate. Oh, yeah, you did uh, pick up that guy in fantasy. What did you all say? I don't care about that, man. Hey, I don't I care about that, man. He's been doing great stuff for me in fantasy, too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I offered Joel to you in a trade at some point, and I think you turned it down. You did? Hell yeah. I missed out on that one. Mm-hmm. But... Well, you snooze, you lose. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, I I, do still, I think, way deep, deep down, have something of a soft spot for Ben. Like, again, I don't want to see the guy fail, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash him. I, I, I think I buy more into the narrative of, like, him having some pretty serious mental hurdles. Like, I, I think it's good to see him getting to this point where he looks more comfortable out there, where he can handle the pressure. The Phillies crowd, like that, just on a personal level, that that's nice to see. So, What do you think of him hugging Doc Rivers after the game? Did it look like a, a fake hug? or <laughs> I mean, It was really fast. It was like, boom. Yeah, I mean, they did. They did the same thing last season when Brooklyn came to town. Yeah, it, yeah like sure. I, I, clearly Ben did not enjoy Doc's comments. I think that's like the worst kept oh, secret. Why did you bring yeah. those up? I was ready really? to move on. You brought that up. Doc's Look, comments I'm... all season, Chris. You heard it. Doc was in his corner. I mean, he would go to battle with the media to defend Ben who didn't need to shoot because he's so good at other things. He says one little comment, which there was really no untruth to it. There was like, well, can he be a championship caliber point guard? I can't answer that right now. Why are you uh, – don't get me started. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because we still have to talk about the Sixers' performance. Can we move on to that and get off Benson? Yeah, we can. All right. We can. All right. Sixers won, obviously, as we've been saying. Um Pretty pretty remarkable victory given the circumstances, Uriah. 24 points, 6 boards, 3 assists for Tobias. 22 points, 4 assists, 3 steals for DeAnthony Melton. Those are the two standouts in the starting lineup. How about on the bench? Paul Reed, 31 minutes, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks, only 1 foul in 39 minutes, or 31 minutes, pardon me, on 7 of 9 from the field. How'd the Sixers play? What were your takeaways? Man, look. The Paul Reed game, the best game of his career. I know you were, I don't know, somewhere shouting out the window with with a, a cup of libation beverage in your hand, just celebrating every rebound, every block, every point that he made. I was I was really happy for Paul Reed. But all I'm going to say about that performance, and you all saw it, is how they played together with the opportunity that they all had, whether it was Milton or Melton, obviously Paul Reed. I'll do an analogy, and, and you let me know if it sticks. So in football, if you have a, a quarterback that is like a rushing quarterback, he likes to get out the pocket and just go. Uh, Jalen Hurts or who's the kid from Baltimore? Um, 
uh, quarterback, Lamar. Baltimore. Lamar, ja- Lamar Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Philly fans can relate to this. So we've had our fair share of scrambling quarterbacks, Randall Cunningham, Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick. So anytime those guys were on the field, you know that the offensive line is thinking, all right, what, where is my quarterback? He, is he out of the pocket? What's going on? Receiver, same thing. What's going on with the quarterback? They know they have like a short window to make their move get open. Now, if those players ever missed the game and then their replacement, their backup was like a pocket passer, the dynamic of the offense changes. The tight ends role now changes. The offensive line now is like, all right, this guy's not going to just take off and I don't have to worry about getting like a, a ticky tack holding uh, penalty, right? Even the receivers are probably like, man, I'm going to get more passes. I'm going to get more catches, more touches. That's what happens when Embiid has been out this season. We have more talent, more depth, and all these guys are figuring out how to play together in the absence of Joel Embiid, and I like it. I've talked to several people who are Sixers fans, and they like how the ball is moving. They like how you don't have to wait for Joel to read the defense and read the double team and then make the correct pass. So that's all I'll say about this game is I like how they're playing. And when Joel is out, it just opens up and changes everything. Yeah, I agree. They're playing really free and inspired team basketball. And it's been a real pleasure to see. Again, we, we talked up the depth all summer in those first couple weeks of the season. It was maybe not what we all expected. There are a lot of complaints about the bench, but these are the kind of situations where it can really pay off when you have DeAnthony Melton dropping 20 and hitting six threes in the absence of Tyrese and James Harden when you have Shake, who wasn't in the rotation to begin the year, putting up 25 and 5 every night when he's like thrust in the starting lineup. Like That's the kind of thing that separates good teams from bad teams, like, like being able to stay afloat when guys get hurt. And it seems like the Sixers are certainly capable of that right now. So, yeah, the Paul Reed game w- was quite enjoyable for me. Uh, <laughs> as any, everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I've never once at any point in time doubted Shake Milton. I've always 100% been on that train for my entire life. Uh, so I'm glad to see him continuing to thrive. <laughs> um, everyone, I mean, it's no secret at this point that I'm all in on D'Anthony Milton. I think oh, most yeah. people are. Everybody um, loves that guy. Dude's just a stud. Um, and this was a really good example of what Tobias can do. Like, it's a good example of, like, the, I, I guess, he's done really good this season at like accepting his role, but he can still like scale up and, and score 20 plus and lead the offense in spots when you need him to. And when you need him to is when the other three members of the core four, however you want to describe that are, are out. So great stuff from Tobias in that game. Great stuff from Melton. Those two have been pretty, pretty great. These last couple games overall. And, the bench, like like Paul Reed has been the third string center for most of the season. He, he's just an awesome player. George Niang has been awesome lately, offensively. And you're right, like he probably can't play in the playoffs or play much at all. But he's a really awesome regular season player, mm-hmm. especially on the offensive end. And like his defense has been marginally better this year. He, he's made an effort to improve. He looks a little bit better physically. Like he's making an effort at least. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that was an awesome win. They they beat a fully healthy Nets team. Kyrie back, Durant, Ben, all those guys were out there. That was the cleanest injury port of the season for Brooklyn. Coming into the game, you, you know, there would be some level of motivation to win, I would assume, given the circumstances on Brooklyn's side as well. And the Sixers still won. Like, that, that's just an awesome win. And unfortunately, they had to, like, follow it up with a loss to Charlotte because it was the second <laughs> out of a back-to-back. But that's fine, you know? It, it's understandable. I'm not stressed about it. Great win. And just a lot of positive stuff up and down the roster for that game. All right. Now I'm going to actually hit the transition button last time, but the volume was turned down, so let's transition. So the final topic for this episode is associated with 
some moves that the Sixers could make and a move that they recently made to help out with some of the depth at guard. So if you have not heard yet, it was reported by um, Keith Pompey and several other Sixers writers that the Sixers waived Michael Foster Jr. Uh, to make room for Saban Lee on a T, uh, excuse me, on a two-way contract. Uh, Saban Lee, if you're not familiar with him, uh, really shifty guard, can do a lot of things on both sides, offense and defense. Does have NBA experience. Played several seasons with the Detroit Pistons, so he he's definitely a guy we could use right now. When when I covered the. Uh, Blue Coats last Friday, and I'll be there this Friday, by the way, again. Uh, Mac McClung was a player that really stood out to me, and I'm thinking, wow, the Sixers could use him. But I think the edge goes to Saban Lee because of what he does on defense. Uh, but anyway, what do you think of this move? Do you, do you like this move, or, or do you think that uh, Michael Foster Jr. should have been kept because he's, he's a 6'8 uh, rim protector? Uh, like I like Michael Foster Jr. personally, like what he brings, but clearly the Sixers <laughs> did not. But what do you think of this move? Yeah, I, I mean, it's no coincidence, right, that this comes after James and Tyrese both go down. Like the Sixers just don't have a lot of guards on the roster right now. And as great as Shake and DeAnthony are playing at the moment, um, the only other ball handler that can semi-work in that role is Furkan Korkmaz. And it, it's nice to have like an emergency option. Uh, so that I think that's why they made this move. Like you said, Saban Lee has two years of NBA experience. He's actually played pretty extensively for Detroit over the past couple of years. Was was an interesting prospect coming out of Vanderbilt before that. Like he, he has some legit, you know, he he's legit. Like he he's a real player. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Long term, do I think Saban Lee is going to be like a cornerstone of Philadelphia's roster? No. Most generally speaking, most two way contracts end up being pretty inconsequential just because that's the nature of being the 16th or 17th guy on a roster who spends most of your time in the G League. But I, I, I think the Sixers very purposely went out and got a guard who has played NBA minutes here because there's a chance if someone else gets hurt or if Doc just wants to try other things out, you know, Lee is a guy who can actually come in and, and give you some real minutes. So like, like I like Michael Foster Jr. too. He's an interesting prospect, but the Sixers couldn't make time for Charles Bass either. We weren't going to make time for Michael yeah. Foster Jr. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Paul Reed, Montrez are, are pretty much locked into those backup center roles. PJ's going to get minutes there. It's not like Michael Foster had any real upward mobility with this team. So it makes a lot of sense short term. And, and I think long term, like, there's a case to be made that Lee is an NBA player. That he, he has tools, like you said. So I, I like the move. They needed another guard. And like Lee is a much better option. I know Lucas isn't here to defend himself, but Lee is 12 times better than Avery Bradley or Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> you know, God forbid, you know, someone that Doc was going to play 20 minutes a night because they're a bet. So they they dodged a bullet in that sense. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I can't add anything to that, um, but they definitely needed something because if any other guard goes down, we're in big trouble uh, knowing that Maxie and Harden are still weeks away from returning to the basketball court. Although there was a report, I think it was Kyle Newbeck, that had some video footage of Harden actually on the treadmill. So that's a good sign. Harden or Maxie, I, I believe, last time I saw him was in the boot still. So that's not good. Well, let's go ahead and, and look at some key dates coming up related to trend, transactions in the NBA. So December 15th, Chris, and January 5th, very important dates. Here's why. December 15th is the time that the Sixers are able to trade any of the free agents that they signed this past offseason. So Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, obviously James Harden, they wouldn't trade him. At least I don't think they would. But that, that's, a, that's a big date coming up. 
So if, if Maury wants to tinker with the roster and include some of these guys that maybe aren't living up to the to their uh, expectations, then they can deal them. And January 5th, that is when the Sixers are able to sign 10-day contracts to give guys an opportunity to see if they fit and mix with Doc Rivers' system. So my question to you is, and if you want to give me a percentage, you can, how likely do you think the Sixers will make a move to improve the roster this season? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty likely. Daryl has never been a guy who's afraid to make moves, and he clearly believes that Philly has a chance to win a championship. Now, maybe that has been somewhat complicated by the just slew of injuries lately, and the Sixers are 9-9. Nine and nine. At this point in the season, it's not ideal. It has certainly hurt them. But in the long term, you have to think once Joel and Tyrese and James get back. Like, this is a team that has the personnel to make a real run here. So I, I would expect that to be the mode in which Maury operates uh, ahead of the trade deadline. Like, December 15th, I think, is more important in the sense that it opens up players on other teams who were signed over the summer to be traded. I, like, right. I don't think... Like, like, PJ could be included in a trade. He is salary filler, potentially. He has a big enough contract to be that kind of piece. But, like, like I think with Philly, the main guys we're hearing in rumors right now are obviously Tobias and Matisse, which I know greatly upsets you. I'm sorry. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, for what you've been going through the past few days. But, <laughs> like, like, those are the guys. Like, if the Sixers are going to make a true big – Splash! It's gonna have to be centered around Tobias because he's making thirty-nine million dollars or whatever. Like, if they're gonna go out and make a real big move, it's gonna be with him. And we've finally reached the point, second to last year of his contract, where his contract isn't like toxic waste. Like, like teams will actually approach it. So that could be interesting because I, I do think there's a world where if they find the right team in the right situation, where you could flip Tobias for maybe a couple complimentary players who fit better and add to your depth a little bit. I, I don't think there are any like stars who are going to be available and within Philly's reach at the deadline. That just doesn't seem very likely, but you know, I, I could see them flipping Tobias for like a couple of players making 15 to 20 million and, or mm. three players making 10 million, that kind of thing. It, it's within the realm of possibility. They've been trying to trade Matisse forever now. That seems quite likely as well. He's not really super-duper locked into the rotation, and fit-wise, I just don't know if the offense is there yet, unfortunately. And I don't think the Sixers really want to pay him. So, Well, you mentioned money. So for the people who don't know, like the luxury tax apron, the Sixers have about $5 million of room under that $156.9 million tax apron. So they have a little bit of uh, like very little flexibility and they do have a roster spot open. So if they're due for a two, two for one or a three for two type deal, they could, they could do something in that realm. As far as the guys you mentioned, yeah, anybody's tradable on this team, except maybe Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. But I, I wouldn't put it past Maury either. Personally, I like what we have. I wouldn't want to ruin what we've started to develop as a team, but that's just me. I'm not well, I mean, the Sixers. <laughs> they're nine and nine. Yeah. It's not like they've lit the world on fire. Well, that's because we've had a lot of injuries, Chris. Like, well, they started really poorly before guys got hurt. Mm, we didn't have Joel. Joel missed like three games. Come on. I know, dude, but let's I, call I, it what it think- is. You know, if there's room to improve you, you jump on it. Like, I, I don't think this team is has some great proven track record to the point where you can't break things up a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, continuity is nice, and the Sixers have lacked continuity to some degree during the Embiid era, and that has been probably a flaw. But, like, I don't want to – like, you don't want to trade Milton. You don't want to trade, obviously, Terry Stroll, James. Those guys are off the table. But – if you can flip Tobias for the right pieces, I think you do it. As great as Tobias is, and I think it's like, especially in the locker room, Tobias is really important for this team. So you don't want to trade him just to trade him. Yeah. But if the right pieces come around or you can flip 
you know, Matisse for a real contributor. Like, the report today, you guys made fun of me for it last time. But, like, the report is that Emmanuel Quickly is on the market for a first-round pick. If you can build a package around Matisse, like, Quickly would be a much better player for this team than Matisse. As much as we all love Matisse, I know. Quickly is awesome, and getting that kind of scoring punch in the second unit would really benefit the team. Right now, I might do that. I might do that trade. Even once guys get back, I I think Quickly is much better suited to playing minutes for this team than Matisse is. So that's the kind of thing Philly should be looking at. You know, I can't. Um, I can't argue that. I I think he is a better uh, fit. So what we want to do, Chris? We'll we'll skip those players will because they'll probably be there next time we meet up because we're getting a little bit long in time but but we'll we'll wrap this up two things before you close us out number one i want to say happy thanksgiving to everybody and, and their families and i was gonna have benny say goodbye but he's sleeping right hey benny you want to say goodbye to everybody happy thanksgiving everybody all right chris uh, from all of us here at the podcast and from Benny, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. If you can, please like, subscribe, and follow along. We are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, com. We are also on Twitter and Facebook at SixerSense. Um, yeah, like Uriah said, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Enjoy the day, enjoy the family, enjoy the food. And we will be back early next week to talk more Philly basketball and to hopefully talk about some some wins. And that would be ideal. So until then, go Sixers. We're thankful for all of you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.